Welcome to an episode of the award-winning podcast Art Insiders New York. My name is Anders Holst. The theme of the podcast is New York with a focus on behind-the-scenes conversations with fascinating people who are making an impact in the world of art, design and architecture. In this episode, Linnea Larsdotter Mikkele, creative director and president of NIF, Nordic International Film Festival, takes us on an inspiring walkthrough of this year's festival program. We talk about the identity of Nordic filmmaking and why the 2022 Cannes Film Festival was the busiest festival ever for Nordic filmmakers. Among them, Ruben Östlund, who won his second Palme d'Or with Triangle of Sadness, Tarek Saleh, also from Sweden, with set Boy from Heaven and Iranian-Danish director Ali Abbasi with Holy Spider, the story of an Iranian serial killer. Linnea is a much-acclaimed actress and film producer in her own right. Till We Meet Again is a romantic adventure drama film directed by Thai filmmaker Bank Tanyai Trong and starring Johan Matton, Linnea Larsdotter, Emrys Cooper in Vitaya Pansligarm. The film was written and produced by Johan Matton, who also founded NIF with Linnea in 2014 and won awards at several film festivals, including the Audience and Jury Prizes at the Long Beach International Film Festival and Linnea won Best Actress at New York, Los Angeles, International Film Festival. Today we have the pleasure of welcoming Linnea Larsdotter Mikkele to the Art Insiders New York podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And especially because I understand that now you have a lot on your plate. I mean, you have maybe, what, two, two and a half weeks to go? Something like that. Yes. Uh, tying everything together, closing every circle and putting a bow on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so thank you for that. And uh, so let's uh, cut to the chase, as they say uh, in, in the movie industry. And let's talk about the program um, that was released uh, last week. So what can we expect? I've learned that there are 22 movies uh, that you have on, on the menu. And uh, five feature, two documentaries, 13 shorts and Aurora Borealis two movies. Can you tell us a little bit about the program and, and what we can look forward to? Absolutely. Um, NIF programming through the years have really uh, made sure that we uh, keep a very, very high profile when it comes to the quality of the films, which is why if you are a, a visitor to NIF several years in a row, you'll never see the same amount of movies. We only commit to showing the ones that we think fit the theme and the uh, quality. So therefore, sometimes the program is slimmer, sometimes it's a little bit thicker. So this year, 22 films, um, really excited to share them with the US audience. Most of them are non-US titles, most of them also Nordic, obviously. Um, you can probably expect to see a lot of content um, around the theme humanity, which mm -hmm. is this year's theme. Some absolutely brilliant storytelling and um, exciting visuals yeah so you have a few international features and a few nordic uh, so what is the idea behind that that you want to have a little bit of a mixture it's not nordic movies all through yeah that's an interesting question that i get asked a lot actually and people ask me why do you include international titles but i think it's in that meeting where the conversation really gets interesting if i'm just showcasing nordic films we don't get to experience the difference and the similarities between the Nordic culture and the international culture. It's also in that dialogue that we can further collaborations across borders that we're so passionate about. 
one of my favorite examples is the winner of the 2019 um, NIF Film Festival International winner got sent to Finland for an inspirational journey as a prize, and then is now shooting his next feature there. Oh, and it's in that meeting that I find a lot of joy. So that's that's interesting. So it's both sort of Nordic filmmakers reaching out to the United States, but it's also traffic going the other way, if I understand. Exactly. Yeah. We are such a beautiful region that so many people miss. So many people go to Europe and they go to Central Europe, and we have so much beauty and diversity in the North that I really want to highlight as an opportunity to use as a backdrop. The short films here, what role do they play in the mix of things? I think that the, especially the Nordic short films overall through NIF's inception uh, has been one of our strongest categories. Um, the short film format is very interesting from a filmmaker point of view because you need to, it's like a good stew that you've been boiling down to <laughs> just the best bits. If you're able to tell an, an, a compelling and interesting story in just a few minutes, I think you're a true artist. I find the short film format to be very engaging and thought-provoking. And it is my job as the curator to create short film blocks that have a nice arc, so nothing feels jarring going from one title to the other. It should be a pleasant and an interesting experience to sit through a block of short films. Yeah, I noted here that one uh, part of your philosophy is to be a festival for filmmakers. Now, is this also an idea that uh, you should uh, encourage uh, maybe younger filmmakers to get into the market, so to speak? Is, is that a part of, of the strategy here? Uh, yes, those are two parts of the same uh, sort of, we have both of those focuses are active at the same time. If you look at the Aurora Borealis category, for example, that is for up and coming filmmakers. And we do the Aurora Borealis in collaboration with Filmivest, which is a Swedish film fund, the largest film fund of the Northern Europe. So they send their up and coming filmmakers to us to compete within that category. And then on my end, the winner of that category wins a filmmaking course at my old school, New York Film Academy. Oh, I see. So that's a specific lane for up and yes. coming. Yeah. But to sort of um, go back on your note on the film festival for filmmakers, that expands also to providing an excellent screening experience mm -hmm. so that filmmakers get to see their film in a, in a theater that's worthy of their content. And also a little bit the part of letting them feel like the stars that they are, like they have to be seen and celebrated when they get to NIF. So about the feature films here then, what can we say about those? You, you, you start up with a Norwegian dream and another feature is Bubble, a uh, third one for little adults. And then you mm -hmm. have two international features, one called Soft and the Ninth Step from Lithuania. Um, mm -hmm. You said something about humanity, that that was one of, uh, one of the themes for this, this year's festival. Um, is that true for these features uh, specifically? I think so, absolutely. Uh, every year NIF selects a theme. It's a silent theme. It's not something that, we, that every film needs to follow, but there is like a red thread that runs through the programming. And as I was curating together with my head of programming, Franka Paschen, um, what stood out to me was like they all touched on humanity and our experience and our desire to express ourselves and be like our true authentic selves. So the Nordic features this year, we have a strong Finnish presence with two of those films being Finnish that deal with love and relationship. No, actually, all three Nordic films deal with love and relationship and identity mm -hmm. uh, in really interesting ways. Uh, our opening night film, Norwegian Dream, also deals with cultural differences within Europe. 
and that expression and that clash between um in some cases different economic status i think it's a really um it's an engaging film to start the festival with we sort of stand out a little bit in the festival world because our opening night film so many other festivals they choose a title that they know is going to be like light and a crowd pleaser and something easy that does digestible but we simply go like what can make people talk and experience something new okay you want to shake them up in the beginning here <laughs> get, sure. get, absolutely get their attention uh, i love that so so you're the curator uh so does that mean that you and you mentioned a colleague of yours are, are you sort of sifting through all these movies how do they come to you do they send movies to you or do you go out looking for them or is it both it is both Yes, I have a, a head of programming. Her name is Franca. She's been a collaborator of mine for many years. Mm -hmm. So we have a platform where filmmakers send their films to us. And she and a team that she has on her end go through all of them. And in the meantime, she is also uh, sometimes on my initiative, sometimes on her own, scouting film festivals, distributors, sales agents for titles that think that we think could be an interesting fit to our audience. And then when she has, she and the team has sort of narrowed it down to what we call the yellow and green, mm -hmm. I get involved and start shaping out the actual program and start negotiating with the filmmakers uh, to build out what's going to be our official selection. What does attract you uh, for the most part? Have you, have you seen any pattern in your preferences in, in, in picking movies? NIF has a very specific voice which is obviously somewhat of an extension of my voice. Uh, there is, call it the Norwegian spirit, or the Nordic spirit, there is a significant amount of melancholy <laughs> that I appreciate in filmmaker, in Nordic filmmaking. So you can definitely sense that theme throughout the years. Um, I do appreciate a good Finnish comedy. They have a humor that is not necessarily overlapping with the other Nordic countries. Also, the visuals excellent cinematography is key i don't think we've included any if it's not a documentary that has an exceptional subject that i couldn't get told in another way cinematic approach to a project is vital to be a part of nif um a practical question where can we watch these movies Yes, we haven't announced our opening night venue yet. That's okay. still a little bit of a secret. Uh, it's going to be announced, I believe, in the next 48 hours. Mm -hmm. We have what's called a festival village. So we're going to have three different theaters um, opening night to be announced. Uh, but it's going to be an exciting one. Uh, and then we're going to show um, our international films at Marjorie L. Dean Little Theater. And then we host three days, including our festival lounge at scandinavia house on 58 park avenue so scandinavia house is the is the hub could you say that is the, the the thing that sort of integrates all the activities yes i think that um the participation of scandinavia house they who have been a wonderful support to me throughout the years um the lounge there where people get to network very very deliberately network i myself have it's a pet peeve of mine when people ask you to network and they just throw you into a room with a glass of wine. <laughs> that doesn't help a lot of people. So in the festival lounge, we really make an effort to make sure that people actually get to connect with each other. It's really exciting. Will there be a Q&A? Will there be panel conversations in between showings? Yes, as soon as uh, the filmmaker is attending and if they're willing to take part in Q&A, we love to do that. We know that they are, we have a really engaged audience and they often have really interesting questions there's a lot of filmmakers who also attend that could ask very industry special 
uh, questions. Yeah. So yes, just the filmmaker is attending. We often host a Q&A. Wonderful. The NIF is at the forefront of the battle for an inclusive film market, proudly following the lead of the Nordic countries, all topping the world's equality tests. And you mentioned that in reviewing movies, you look at the Bechdel test and the Vito Russo test. Can you explain for our listeners what that is? Yes, with pleasure. Um, the Bechdel test is a little bit more uh, commonly known. It is based upon a, I think it's a graphic artist novelist called Bechdel, formed this test in movies that if, are there more, are there two female characters that have names that talk to each other about something other than a man, then your film has passed the Bechdel test. Okay. So the bar is not set very high, and yet there are plenty of films to this day that don't pass the Bechdel test. If you just look at the hit Oppenheimer, I haven't seen it myself, but allegedly doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Oh. I think it's very, I think it could be very easy to have two women that we know their names of talk about even one sentence between the two of them about something other than a man. Yeah, that seems very uh, natural to me. And the other one then, the Vito Russo test. Yeah, the Vito Russo test uh, is specifically made for the film industry as well. It is to highlight uh, anyone from the L LGBTQIA plus community. Okay. And it's to make sure is that uh, is that film, does it have a representative from that community? And is that character, if so, they're not to be have that trait and only be like an accessory because they belong to that community mm -hmm. or do they have like a, a real role and a real participation of the film? I see. So they're not there just to mark a sort of a political point, but rather they have uh, a role to play. Yeah. Or to be the butt of a joke or whatnot. They need to be a presence. I understand. You're trying to then create this market for Nordic films. And do these movies have a distributor in the U.S. Uh, prior to the festival? Or is this something that will come out as a result of the festival? Some do. Most of the short films do not. But also most of the short films don't really ever go down that route. It is my dream to have more... U.S. Uh, sales agents and distributors attend and pick up part of my programming. For a while, we collaborated with this one distributor that would just sort of go based on our quality standards and accept all of our films into their distribution. Their model has since changed a little bit, so we don't do that anymore. Mm. But it is my dream to do that even more. And there has been several films that have booked other screenings after having shown at NIF. Is it uh, difficult to get theatrical distribution or streaming distribution? I think it depends on uh, which caliber you're at and which network you already have uh, backing your film as it's made. Yeah. To get a theatrical release can be very costly for the film. That is a cost that often fall back on the film or the sales agent as theaters rarely pay to screen your film. Mm -hmm. They know that it's in your interest to have it screened. <clears throat> So if you're not a blockbuster, you might have to pay up your, yourself to get your film out. And uh, the term is forewalling. And sometimes you do a forewall to be then eligible for what's called the Independent Spirit Awards, which is the independent version of the Oscars. So that's one of those that answered one of your questions. I'm sorry, what was your other question? That was a two part. <laughs> I was just curious to see if there, if you have friends in the US that are open for Nordic uh, movies, people that, that you invite to, to the festival, of course. I think the, the, so many of the films, they share the same market. Many films get sold at EFM in Berlin in February. Mm. And then you're going to have the AFM in LA in November, I believe it is. Plenty of titles 
so swim in those waters and that's where they get the attention of the sales agents and distributors that's so that is what i would like to become in the future when there's more bandwidth to have me being like a very specifically nordic version of that in the us yeah award categories you have best director best cinematography best lead performance and best supporting performance who nominates the movies for these awards it is a jury Okay. Uh, that that is uh, assigned to watch the categories based on their knowledge. They're all film film industry professionals in one capacity or the other, and uh, they rate all the titles in the categories. Plus, they have the opportunity to nominate, and then through the nominations, me and the head of the jury sit down and discuss and compare and argue about who we think should be the winner. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite movie? That maybe that's an unfair question. Oh. <laughs> that is a really good question. I have plenty of favorites this year. They're really, really strong titles. I think that it would be unfair to mention just one, but something that is always really exciting is I, I would encourage people who are curious about NIF and want to explore what kind of event this is. Mm-hmm. If you were to pick two things, come to opening night mm-hmm. and come to the Nordic short films. I think they they really set the tone for what we do. I see. Now, short films, um, usually for our audience here, how long do they run? Do you do several short films in a row or do you do them uh, separate? A short film can be as short as it wants to be, mm-hmm. but it would never exceed 45. Okay. I have a personal preference of anything below 15. Um, I think that 45, you're edging towards a feature. Like, you know what I mean? It's a shorter, the shorter the format, the the more interesting it is to me, I think, uh, we do screen them all in blocks. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a documentary short film block, and then we have an international short film block, and two Nordic short film blocks, and then the Aurora Borealis block. Wow, that sounds great. So I did a little bit of a mathematics here, because I have the mm-hmm. titles and I have the nominations. So uh, four little adults yeah. got three mentioning here in these award categories. It uh, mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't mean that they will win, of course. Best uh, best. Uh, oh, there's no best movie here. Best director, cinematography, lead performance. So there's no sort of best movie. That's interesting. Every category is a competition. So that's going to be a best Nordic feature, oh, yeah? best international feature, and so on and so forth. I see. So that comes on top of these yes. uh, these awards. I see. And what what do you win? What is the award? It varies, I guess. It does vary, but this year it is. Something that I get very excited about because something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Uh, I grew up in Smygehuk in Sweden, which is the most southern point of the entire country. Um, in my village, there's a beautiful lighthouse with a guest house to it. So the winner of international feature wins together with uh, the Smygehuk lighthouse and Film Iskjone to go to the lighthouse and stay for a week and write and get inspiration from our beautiful surroundings. Hmm. That's wonderful. I would like to win it myself. (laughs) Well, yeah. I have to throw in a movie here real quick then. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) But that's wonderful. And do you get like a... I saw that Orifosh is involved. So you get a little bit of a crystal uh, something. Um, They are stunning. I started working with Orifosh three years ago. uh, And I I work with them very, very collaboratively and closely. Uh, Very, very grateful and happy for our friendship. So they have been uh, making our awards for the last three years. We, it's a gorgeous sort of how I choose to see it, icicle, 
inspired award yeah. and to working with such an established and high quality company is really thrilling for us. Oh, absolutely. And I also heard through the rumor mill here that you have a new sponsor for the event. Is that official yet or is it still under wraps? It is still under wraps. I'm so sorry. I The, the final paperwork is being reviewed. Okay. <laughs> but it is very exciting for us. And since we have such a sustainability focus, it, it seems like a match made in heaven. Wonderful. Congratulations to that. And I hope it will come through. Uh, exactly the way you want it. Now, so the Nordic International Film Festival, NIF, as you call it. So you woke up one day and said, I'm going to start a film festival. What was that like? It came out of, um, so me and my then partner had a, a production company and we were both actors. And we had attended film festivals all over with films that we had been in or worked on. And felt like there was more that could be done uh, in the sense of events, which is sort of ties into why we're a film festival for the filmmaker. We wanted that experience to be even more special. So we sat down and like decided that we could create a film festival that has that high quality and really awards excellence. And then we thought, what is our niche? Well, we know Nordic film. So we started it <laughs> and many people have asked me like, would you do it again? Now, when you know how much work it is and no, <laughs> but now it's my absolute baby and love story. This festival I've worked on now for now nine years and I took over to run it by myself in 2021. So now I run it by myself with my team. Um, fantastic team, by the way, I can't, could not do it without them. Um, but if we just felt like there was so much more that you could do in terms of the experience for the filmmakers, not just the audience, but the people who really make it possible. Hmm. And of course, you being an actor and um, a film producer in your own right, you've seen a number of festivals. So I guess you draw upon that experience. And um, yeah, it, it struck me here that you really um, emphasize this, that it's for the filmmakers to make this a really sort of almost a familiar um, event and, and make them really feel at home, which I think, you know, every creative person who, who venture out in this uh, really tough business, uh, you know, really need uh, support and, and so on. Um, I read here that um, um, you also would like to offer the Nordic market for uh, filmmakers. And I was thinking, I've heard about the fact that some countries, they would offer tax advantages if you would do a film project in, in certain countries, countries or locations. Now, what can we offer filmmakers uh, in the Nordic countries? Can we offer them that or can we offer them a, a culture or, or a network of resources? What, what is our unique selling uh, proposal here for people who want to shoot movies in, in the Nordic countries? I love that you asked that question. It's a very political one, um, which I find very, very important. Uh, Sweden, for example, I think it was last year, finally passed a law to approve a tax incentive so that you get a tax rebate if you use services in uh, Sweden. Västra Götaland, uh, where Trollhättan and Film Best is located, they did this on their own many, many years ago. So they were sort of already in the forefront of pushing that um, before the nation sort of 
came with them. And so many of the other, like Norway, have an incredible film incentive. They get also a lot of really, really big titles. They shot Mission Possible, James Bond, Succession in Norway. They get those titles because they have a very active process around that. Um, something that uh, a good friend of mine and the Oscar-nominated producer said to me a few years ago, a thing that you can always use to attract people to come and shoot in, in the north is that in the summer we have you have daylight. You can shoot daylight 11 hours a day, but then we're just going to keep it on the down low that we also have very strong labor law, so that's going to be a lot of overtime. <laughs> that's right. I guess that's why the movie industry moved to, to California, I mean, in the beginning of, of the industry, because there was so favorable uh, sort of climate uh, conditions there. Um, I also read here that you are in the process of getting an uh, accreditation f uh, as a film festival to the FIAPF and also Oscar qualification. Uh, so how does that work? Is that a very bureaucratic process where you have to do a lot of applications and uh, they have to check you out over a period of time? Or what are the major hurdles there? The Oscar uh, qualification process is somewhat mysterious, even when after having done the application. Um, the Oscar qualification would mean a lot to us as a festival. It would just we would be included in a different tier of festivals out there. There are plenty of film festivals in the world and you are not allowed to apply for, for Oscar qualification until you've been running for seven years because so many festivals start and then close down. So I understand them not wanting to go through that process just to have a festival close. Mm. Um, you send in an application that you have to meet certain criteria and then you have one or more Oscar Academy members um, give you a reference letter. Hmm. I see. Yeah. S so hopefully within what a couple of years. Yeah, we are allowed to supply to apply now, which we have done, uh, and now it's in the hands of the committee. There is never really a, um, an answer as to how long the process takes, and if you don't get approved the first year, you're allowed to uh, to apply again. And I again. see. So um, let's talk about the identity of Nordic filmmaking. I, I thought that was such an interesting topic. Yeah. So I did some research on, on my own here. Uh, I watched uh, last night, actually, the, uh, the Promised Land by Mats Mikkelsen, which oh, I thought Oh, I haven't was, seen that yet. No, it's, it's pretty good, I have to say. It's, uh, it's uh, very, very good. And so the identity of Nordic filmmaking, how could one even begin to describe that? It's a fantastic question. Um, we are not shy to talk about difficult subjects. And I think that is one of my favorite things about the filmmaking culture in our region. Um, we don't shy away from subjects that makes you uncomfortable. And great examples of that are when they have a Nordic film and you have an American remake, for example. Yeah. Sometimes the darkest bits get reworked to fit uh, the American palette. And I always prefer the darker version. Yeah. Um, there is a tonality in Nordic film. There's a tempo to it that sort of reflects our culture, I think. Um, there is all, almost also a visual identity, I would say. Um, maybe because we have such beautiful surroundings that we want to capture. 
Yeah, it's almost like the, the various national characters of the Nordic countries sort of seeps through into the visual images and, and into, I mean, I was thinking about this, another round, another Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. Uh, and if you thought about, if that were produced in the US, yeah. it would have been like a middle-aged frat uh, party, right? And, and here we, we go through this... Uh, uh, incredible journey with these four men, or if they're five, I can't remember, and the sensitivity and the, and the sorrow and all of that. It's it's so incredibly powerful. Um, and nuanced. I think there is, yeah. maybe again, touching on the theme, there's humanity, even in the flawed behavior and in in people who who access darker parts of themselves. I still, I still think that there is not a forgiveness or there's just like an acknowledgement of the humanity in that that I find really inspiring. Yeah, and and um, also I, I found this article about uh, they were talking about the the Cannes Festival last year, and it was the busiest Cannes ever. And I I saw here that, uh, that we had like three movies up there: Ruben Östlund, of course but also mm -hmm. uh, Tariq Saleh with The Boy From Heaven and uh, the Iranian-Danish director Ali Abbasi and his uh, movie Holy Spider that I actually watched, which is an incredible, <laughs> incredible mm. movie. And so the Nordic identity here comes through, I think, in this article by how well-organized people were, that you were collaborating and that you had the, uh, the, the same, you know, like hub for, for the Scandinavian filmmakers so apparently it seems like the Nordic film, filmmakers are doing something really good here that's coming through on, on, on the major stage. I think especially places like Venice and Cannes, to an extent Berlin, uh, Nordic filmmaking is really appreciated. We come with a legacy. We have great filmmakers in the past, look at Jan Troel, um, the, the trier in Denmark, even though he can be a problematic person in person, and uh, trier in Norway. We have we come with a legacy of this, and I think that is something that we can still benefit from by honoring that and still keeping to explore and expand our voice. Mm -hmm. But I think overall, Nordic film is really uh, appreciated. Same with TV, which is really strong right now. Yeah. So I found this interesting when I was doing my research on the identity of Nordic filmmaking. I found this essay by Salome Sulaberitze, and she wrote about Lars von Trier's uh, movie Melancholia. And, mm -hmm. and she said he took something out of a Hollywood genre, apocalypse science fiction. But he didn't do it in the normal Hollywood thing with things sparkling and um, like Star Wars, but he focused on the relationship between the two sisters. And, and also he worked with sort of very inno innovative uh, sort of camera technique and, and, and so on. And, and her point was that Nordic films have sort of moved into how one would say conventional genre on one hand, but then they fill it with sort of Nordic sensibility and Nordic emotions on the inside. And I thought that was really interesting that, and, and also it was mentioned in another article that now movies are in English. So it seems like, and maybe I'm wrong here, I don't know, but that the Nordic films are sort of moving towards an international market and now becoming more Anglophile, so to speak. But still they don't lose, they don't lose their inner, inner workings of the characters and, and the inner workings of, of the script. I don't know if that's something that you recognize in, in, in these movies. I think that's spot on. I think it's spot on. We, we, uh, 
apply filmmaking to like an international spectrum of genres and stuff. But as she mentions there, um, we, we stay true to the sort of non-commercial aspect of it and true to our personality. And Melancholia in particular, that was really innovative with the phantom camera that shoots uh, in slow motion in a different way. I thought that was really groundbreaking. Um, which also, side note, Melancholia uh, opens as an opera now in Stockholm at the Kungliga Operan, Dramaten, with um, a friend of mine who uh, wrote the music, Michael Carlson. Wow, wow. And absolutely spectacular. So they're coming up in a few weeks. That's very uh, impressive. Yes. Um, but also something, even though some Nordic content is in English, uh, more people than ever right now are positive to watching subtitled content. Mm-hmm. And that's thanks to streaming services, honestly, that have pushed out incredible international content uh, that is subtitled to a wider audience that would never, ever choose that otherwise. A good example is uh, Squid Games, the, um, the hit series on Netflix that yeah. is subtitled and everyone watched it. Yeah. That's right. I yeah. watched. I watched one episode. I, I, after that, okay. Did you watch everything? I, the whole thing. I did. It's terrifying. That's <laughs> terrifying. So, so Linnea, let's uh, let's talk about you. So, you are, as I mentioned before, you are also um, uh, an acclaimed uh, actress and uh, film producer in your own right. So, how did you go from Skåne, the southern part of Skåne, to New York? What was that? Uh, what was that journey like? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I went through. Um, a little bit of a path there. I worked on stage for many years and I worked internationally and uh, met my then partner who had a New York on his map and agenda to move to, because st- I studied musical theater in in Sweden before. And then he said, I'm going to go and study film in New York. Are you coming? And I figured I was always thought I was going to go to London. And then I ended up in New York instead. Yeah. So I took, I studied, uh, um, acting here for two years at the New York Film Academy before venturing out into the work world, I was well received. So uh, I am here still. But you started with your sisters playing uh, the violin yes. on TV. I read. Yes. Oh my goodness! I have two older sisters, and we all play uh, Swedish folk music. And for many, many, many years, we played together as a trio on weddings and events and. Uh, the occasional TV uh, moment, um, yeah, they're they're very dear to me. They're my two, two my best friends in the world, and I really miss playing with them. So you really almost grew up on the stage then. I mean, when uh, at a very young at a very young age, and I also learned that you have a lifelong passion for medieval clothing, even though I can't see that here today. <laughs> Thank God, I think that would be very odd. <laughs> yes. I also was introduced to the medieval times through music uh, because my sister was playing in a Baroque ensemble and Mm. that teacher said one day, I want to do a medieval ensemble. So I got in there singing medieval music. And then of course, if you have a concert, you have to dress accordingly um, and cut to uh, a collection of medieval garments that I have made throughout the years. And I studied it at and not just medieval uh, garments, but that his Viking and medieval history also at the university, just because I think it's a fascinating era. Yeah. Is that also why fashion seems to be a thread in the Nordic Film Festival, uh, um, I should say, concept uh, that you're working with, with fashion? Is that correct? We are definitely working with fashion. I never made that connection before. Maybe that's why. Um Yes, the fashion element is a given. We have a red carpet, a lot of pictures are being taken. 
And I turned against the one purchase, one use feeling that a lot of red carpets have. For a while, it was like an, a hidden truth that you, you were not allowed to be photographed in the same garment twice. And that's incredibly unsustainable. And NIF is really passionate about the environment and the sustainability that we wanted to make sure that we made a difference there by approaching it in a, from a sustainable angle instead. I see. So there will be, uh, it's not a fashion show, but you inspire people to dress up for the occasion. Absolutely. It's a gala. <laughs> and I think it's, uh, it's fun to get an opportunity to dress up and walk the red carpet and be a star for a day. I think why not take any opportunity to do that? Absolutely. So is there a specific yeah. theme in the fashion sense or is it a free for all? You could do whatever you feel like. You can do whatever we, you feel like. We do tend to do the gala nights as semi-formal and uh, we do uh, encourage everyone that to not go out and purchase new items to attend if we would like for people to reuse something they own or borrow or thrift so we don't um, contribute to uh, the environmental impact of fashion. I see. Well, that, sound, that sounds terrific. So where can you buy tickets for these uh, events? Is it the, the, the website or will there be uh, tickets for sale somewhere? Uh, how do people who listen to this, uh, if they want to get involved and so on, what, what should they do? Yes, they can go to our website, nordicfilmfest.org. Uh, all the tickets will be released there probably by the end of tomorrow. Oh. And uh, if they have any uh, questions or anything like that, they can always email and ask. And all the, all the synopsis and ratings and trigger points and all of that is also listed on the website. So I would like just to thank you for, for doing this. I think this is a wonderful project. And also thank you for this interview. And um, I Thank you for having me. I wish you the so best. <laughs> Thank you. I wish you the best. Break a leg, I guess, is what you say, right? Yeah, I'll break all the legs. <laughs> I'll break all the legs out of this. All the bones. Well, yeah, that sounds wonderful. Welcome to the red carpet. Thank you so much. This is Art Insiders New York, and my name is Anders Holst. If you enjoyed this episode and have family and friends who love New York and are passionate about the world of art design and architecture, please spread the word by following us on artinsidersnewyork.com or liking us on our Facebook page, Art Insiders New York. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This episode was produced by UOM LLC, copyright 2023.